Hello everyone and welcome to episode 44 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON Field Investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And it is the start of April where we are celebrating all month long women in ufology and the paranormal fields. And to kick it off today, we have special guest MUFON State Director, Katie Grabowski. She is also a MUFON star team member and host of MUFON's What's Up on KGRA Digital Broadcasting. We're going to jump into some of her top cases. She's also an experiencer as well, and we'll take a deep dive into that. So strap on your seatbelts. We're going for a ride. All right, welcome to UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peake, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today is episode 44. And this uh, episode is sponsored by Gypsy Days Clothing Line, which just dropped their brand new store on Etsy. So you can go over there and check them out. And we're also sponsored by All Things UFO Facebook group. And today we are kicking off April, which is celebrating women in the field. And to kick that off, we have a special guest, Katie Grabowski, who is the State Director for Colorado MUFON. Katie, how are you today? I am doing excellent, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm actually coming at you live from the Ozarks this weekend. I'm here for that wonderful UFO festival down here conference. And uh, it's a little overcast here, but it's been great so far. It just started, but I think it's going to be a great weekend here. I love any conference. I will go to anyone that I can possibly get to. <laughs> I think they're amazing. Right. It's a great way to meet people and uh, just get out there, you know. That's right. And I think that people underestimate how important it is to talk not only to investigators and researchers and pioneers in the field and people that are out there actively speaking on the circuit, but all the attendees as well. We all learn so much from each other. And I'm a talker. I, I, I like to go up and, you know, why are you here? Why are you interested in the, the, you know, this phenomenon? And did you have an encounter? And we learn so much that way. So it's a great time. Yeah, I mean, I've met so many different good friends that I've been friends with since meeting them at the conference, and we're friends to this day, and now we've actually worked together. So it's it's just a right. great, great opportunity, and uh, there's nothing like it. So it, it's a definitely, I recommend it to everybody, and I'm getting ready to go to mine in a, in a couple of weeks, so I'm excited as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is there, a, is there a conference in Pennsylvania that I'm not aware of? I'm yeah, there's, to get um, myself out there. <laughs> there's a Pittsburgh one, and the big one is actually here in Philadelphia. Um, so that's coming up. I know the Pittsburgh one is this weekend. Um, it's a one day. And then the next month is the Philadelphia conference, which is a two day one. Um, and they got free field investigator training on Friday and then they got a planetarium there. Um, it's pretty cool. It's my favorite one to go to. Um, and then we oh. also have the Pine Bush, New York UFO museum, uh, fair. So that's yeah. I'll be out there for that one. Are you going to be there? Yes, for that? I will be there. <laughs> oh, we'll see you there. We'll hang out there. Awesome. There you go. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I hope people make it out for the big MUFON International Symposium in Denver. So hopefully, yeah, we see cool. people out there too. Yep. That's in July. I'm hoping to get to one of the symposiums either next year or the year after. I will be out that way. It's just harder on the West Coast because I'm on the East Coast. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know. right. I know how that goes. Yep, absolutely. So let's uh, dive in and, and start talking about a little about yourself. Um, how did you, I know you're an experiencer um, and you actually kind of grew up on the meadows. Is that correct? 
Well, the Meadows is actually down south, but um, for the listeners out there, I know most people are pretty familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Um, in back in UFO folklore, there was a ranch known as the Clearview Ranch, or it was okay. also known as the Rocky Mountain Ranch, which is a high strangeness ranch in Colorado. Oh, okay. um, when I, I was confused. a young girl, I spent time on that ranch. I didn't live there full time, but I was there uh, a few times and had um, some pretty profound experiences, as well as I always heard about the two younger boys and the father lived with us during the week because of, of the school district and the commute back and forth to work. He was dating my mother at the time. This was in the late 70s. So I'd always hear about things that were happening on that ranch property. And the thing about it was I never knew it was investigated. I never knew anybody knew anything about it. It was just all these incredibly high strangeness things. I mean, this is where Linda Moulton Howe got her start out there. She was an investigative reporter at the time. And there were just uh, mutilations of, you know, cattle and horse and goat and, and things. And these were happening almost on a daily basis. It was really high mutilation time, um, mystery helicopters menacing and chasing people, orbs and craft flying off property, circles on the all sorts of things, Bigfoot encounters, crypto creatures, you name it. And I never knew anybody knew anything about it. And it wasn't until 2013 when I purchased this book about a ranch that wasn't really known to me anyway at the time called Hunt for the Skinwalker by George Knapp and Colm Kelly, her PhD. And I bought it thinking, oh, maybe this will have some similarities to things that happened to me as a young girl. And I get to this chapter, Other Hotspots, and I started reading about the Colorado Ranch. And I knew immediately it was the ranch for my childhood. So I've been investigating this um, almost 10 years now, almost a decade. And I'm telling you, the more, the more you learn, the more questions you end up having. So it, it's been really fascinating, the documents and, and things I've uncovered about the ranch property. So is that what got you started in the field, uh, being growing up on that ranch for your childhood? Well, absolutely. Um, I also, you know, when I was a young girl, I heard about a, a significant sighting my grandfather had over Lake Como in Wisconsin. Um, and it, that was actually investigated by J. Allen Hynek. And then my family and I had two other encounters of these oblong shaped craft um, going over from Wisconsin to our home in Illinois. I was originally born in Illinois um, in Richmond. And so, you know, I had memories of that. And then of course, as a young girl, I had encounters with a lot of paranormal type things, these tall shadow figures in my room, you know, different orbs, just different kind of weird things in my life. So I actually started out I, I loved watching like the ghost hunter shows you know Jason and Grant and all that and I was really interested in ghost hunting because of all the shadow figures and paranormal kind of things that had surrounded me in my life and and um and then you know those questions I think I was watching a documentary or something on UFOs and they had mentioned MUFON and that's the first time I had learned about MUFON and I thought you know I should um, be in a graphic designer I kind of went in thinking maybe I can draw you know, entities and crafts that people are seeing, which I've never really done. But I, I went in, I joined right as an investigator just to kind of start looking for answers to those things on that high strangeness ranch in Colorado. So 
Okay, and yeah, I mean, you're a huge part of MUFON now. I mean, you're you're a state director. You're a part of the STAR team, which is our special strike team, and you're the administrator for the Mars program. So that's amazing that you, you're kind of all over in future first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've been pretty lucky. I, I, you know, Colorado has a really strong team, and, you know, there's a lot of strong teams throughout the United States. I mean, Stacy right in Phoenix, they got an awesome group out there, and I know Pennsylvania is super strong, and we have strong groups across the country but here in Colorado working getting it to mentor under Doug Wilson you know and folks like that has just been great and the Mars program you know for those of you who don't know that's the MUFON research redacting system and that was started by Debbie Ziegelmeyer and a, a team of people years ago and it was kind of they, they did a lot of work on that, organizing all the old paper files before we went digital, all our old cases from 1969 to, gosh, like the mid-90s, and they all used to be on paper, wow. and there were over 10,000 of these case files, um, not only case files, but we had, you know, newspaper articles and all sorts of different data and photographs and all these things, and so the Mars team, um, which I administer, basically has digitized all that, so now it's all computerized and it's all been redacted. So any of the private information, names and addresses and, and that, which is a tricky thing because you wanna leave enough information and data for researchers, you know, when you're trying to investigate a sighting, but then you can't have it, you know, narrow down to somebody's place of employment or where they live. So right. we, we would have two people actually read all these reports verbatim word for word and take out any private personal information. And then so we have the redacted copy and the unredacted copy and they're digitized, they're in the system. And eventually this will be merged into our case management system. Um, so we'll have all those decades all in one place, which I think is going to be invaluable. Absolutely. Um, that's a lot of data right there. And how far do you right. guys think um, you are along on that process until you're finished? Yeah, we're, we're actually really close to being finished. There's a few hundred more that need to be. And these... These are like 300 page reports. So a report can be anywhere from one page to like three or 400 pages. And when wow. you're having to read that word for word, <laughs> and then you have another person having to go back and check your work. I mean, it takes a lot of time. Like I said, it's taken what, three and a half years now. We're almost done with that. But um, Project Mars is actually gonna be merging with Project Aquarius. Now Project Aquarius is worldwide. So yes. we're, we're taking databases uh, and um, archival information from around the world. Um, I believe Klaus Fahn has agreed to work with MUFON on that. Um, just different people I know um, MUFON's been talking with and working to merge all these databases together. So it's an important project and what we really need, it eventually all needs to feed into some sort of smart computer, right? That can take all this data. Yeah. And faster than a human. Cause I really feel that especially looking into when I, when I went back to get all the um, reports and information on the Colorado ranch, because I, I found out through that book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, that Dr. Leo Sprinkle, PhD, was one of the initial investigators out there. And uh, if anybody's out in Laramie, Wyoming, you can go to the Heritage Center there, and he has 84 boxes of all his research, um, over 40 years of research there at the Heritage Center. And um, one thing that struck me is how as new people coming in as new investigators and researchers, we're having to reinvent the wheel. It, it takes us, you know, 10 years just to get caught up on all the books and all the information. But if all this stuff was in a computer 
computer, smart computers can run through this data so much faster than we can take 10 years to read all these books and get caught up. Right. So <laughs> I think that's really, we're going to find answers that way. You know, once all, all this information is digitized and these smart computers can really look at it, you know, then we'll have something akin to like a smartphone and instead of saying, Hey Siri, we, you know, we, we make, we call it, Hey Ollie, like, Hey Ollie, how many triangle <laughs> triangular craft have flown over Pennsylvania from 1985 to 1990 and it can get that data really fast that would you know be once so all these cool. things are digitized <laughs> yeah yeah I'm looking forward to the new the new app the Mona app that they're going to be releasing um I, I noticed that Doug or um Dave McDonald had put a, a comment in there about it being released hopefully by the summertime um and that's supposed to have Project Aquarius on there um, along with field investigator tools. So when you're out in the field, you have it all on one app, uh, which will be pretty cool. That's sort of like a database like you're talking about. So that'll be neat. Yeah, that's going to put, I mean, that's what's going to push, push this field forward. And I always said, disclosure is going to come from technology and people. It's not going to come from our government. It's going to be all of us out there, you know, uh, pushing it forward and getting the information out there and making all these connections that we've been trying to do for decades now, you know? All right. Absolutely. Um, so one of my questions was how you got involved with Dr. Leo Sprinkle and some of your work that you've done with him. Could you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I mentioned um, in that book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, it mentioned actually three PhDs. First of all, I just want to say I, I was my sister, my mom and I were shocked and stunned to learn that what I had always thought only happened on the one ranch property and that we were threatened and warned never to talk about it. So I, I never knew anybody knew anything about what was happening out there. I never knew it was investigated. I thought it was this just experience that our family had and nobody else knew about it. So when I bought that book, I sat on the living room floor for like two hours, just like with my jaw hitting the floor. Like I was stunned that anybody knew anything about it. And Dr. Leo Sprinkle, PhD, was one of the uh, investigators, along with Peter Van Arsdale, PhD, and John Durr, who's a seismologist, who also was a PhD. They were all out there investigating that um, ranch property. And I come to find out um, through Dr. Leo's, um, he, he kept all the reports and all the information from the investigation out there that they also had psychics out on the property property. They had military personnel out on that property. So we know the military was very much aware of what was happening out there, which is really fascinating. And that's always been one of my questions, like how much of this was black access military projects and how much of this was unknown paranormal activity and really i've come to the conclusion that i think it's a little both i think both things were happening i think the air force was out there um, investigating the unknown but i also think they might have had a hand in some of the activity that was going on there at the time but dr leo sprinkle i wrote he's old school he, he doesn't do computers or self uh, cell phones and unfortunately he passed away november of 2021 and he was just a wonderful man. He was a psychologist and a hypnotherapist out of Laramie and worked with experiencers and contactees for 40 years. This man was well ahead of his time and he was so generous in giving of his time and spirit. And the, the UFO community lost a gem when we lost Dr. Sprinkle. But I wrote him a letter asking him, you know, I told him who I was, my connection to the ranch property, and he sent me a letter back. Yep, that's the ranch, and verified the names and the location and everything like that. For years, the location of this ranch property was not known. It was known as Clearview, and it is in Kiowa, Colorado, which is in Elbert County, is where the location of the ranch is. Um, 
And so, you know, I made dozens of trips back and forth to the um, archives and I went there for kind of selfish reason, reasons to find data on the ranch, but I started getting lost in letters that people had written to Dr. Sprinkle over 40 years. So I started compiling them into a book and I wrote a book called Letters of Love and Light, Four Decades of UFO Encounters, Sightings and Experiences Shared with our Leo Sprinkle PhD. And what was cool about that, Jesse, is Leo not only kept the letters people wrote him from around the world, but he also kept his response letters. And it was fascinating to me as a researcher to see doctors, Dr. Leo's train of thought through like the, the you know, the 60s. I mean, there was even letters from the 50s, but wow. the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s. And I could kind of see his progression <clears throat> of his train of thought when it came to this phenomenon. And so, yeah, I, or it took me three and a half years to put all those into a book. Because I thought, if I find these letters interesting, I'm sure other people will as well. And there's, you know, there's a lot of people that would talk about, was this a lucid dream or was this a memory, right? So dream or memory, because you hear that a lot from people like, right. this was a dream that seems so real. I don't know if it was like an abduction or a contact experience. There was a lot of letters from people who claimed to channel ETs. So that was interesting to see the commonalities between people who channel the ETs. Um, I have a chapter about hypnosis and, and things that would come through under hypnosis from people he put under. And um, he actually put me under for an hour and a half, too. That was an interesting experience because we kind of all have stereotypes of what we think it'll be like to be hypnotized, you know, you know, look at the crystal ball going back and forth, <laughs> right. and, oh, you know, walk over, the, you know, yep. and it's not like that at all. It's, it's this very deep, deep meditative state, but you're also aware where you can communicate and talk. Um, he was, you have to be careful when you're hypnotized. You don't want people who are going to, give you leading questions or lead you in any kind of way. Um, and, and Dr. Leo did this, um, you could do like an escalator and elevator where you're just going deeper and deeper and deeper down into, and you know, lower floors right. of the elevator. And um, it was interesting what came out of that session. It took me a while to listen back to it, but the most fascinating thing to me was since I was, you know, when all these things happened out on that ranch property, I was, nine years old, 10, 11, and 12 years old, okay, during those years, and like I said, we were threatened and warned never to talk about what happened there, so I didn't talk to anybody about it, and the first 20 minutes of that hypnosis section, uh, session with Dr. Sprinkle, I actually had to find my voice and my power as that little girl, like I was like talking through standing up to the adults that were trying to keep me quiet, wow. and once I did that, other things started coming out. Yeah. Wow. So what, what did you learn from your hypnosis um, through, through what, you, what well, you were going through as a little girl? Yeah. I, you know, people ask me, do you think you were abducted or, or whatever? And I, I, I'm not one of those people that can go, yep, absolutely. I was taken aboard a ship and right. blah, blah, blah. However, I, some things came out under hypnosis that um, one thing that came out is that I was looking through this big oblong shaped window that looked translucent, like one whole side of the craft was transparent and that I was surrounded by these tall blue soft, I said they were soft, tall blue beans and that they were loving and kind. And they were showing me this like green field of hybrid children and that I felt confused. 
And in that, my voice changed to a little girl's voice. And it freaks me out to listen to it to this day. I shared it at some of the conferences I just did. But it, it, I say, and I wasn't scared like that, like in this right, little girl's right. voice. Um, that was kind of creepy. Um, it also said that they were well, these aliens were well-oiled machines and that they were doing a hybrid program to get some range of emotion back, some range of feeling back. And that's why they like humans, because we we're like bipolar. We can, you know, we have this wide range of emotion, right? Right. Happy, sad, angry. We're very creative. We're, you know, we're musicians and artists. And, and, and so that came through under hypnosis, which I found was interesting. Um, so yeah, it was a really interesting experience. And, and like I said, I, I I don't know. I don't trust people. I don't trust my own memory. Right. Yeah, um, I know. And so I can't say for certain, like, yep, I was abducted. I went to the Pleiades. I mean, I don't know, but it was an interesting experience and perhaps something happened. I don't know. I mean, there was one night on the property that was pretty intense. So maybe something happened that night. I don't know. All right. So how do you think those experiences and learning that through hypnotherapy um, has helped you as an investigator and as a state director in the field? Well, number one, and I think as investigators and researchers, you know, you have to have that open mind. And right. I know MUFON, uh, I stand on that middle of the bridge. I think science and research and data is really, really important. Um, it's vitally important. However, you also need to have an open mind and you need to listen to contactees and experiencers and people that not only with ET phenomenon, but also just paranormal experiences. Um I used to compartmentalize all these things. I separated them. I put them in different boxes. I thought, well, the shadow beans were one thing. Right. The, the seeing that blue basketball sized orb was another thing. The UFO encounters is another thing. And I never connected it all. But I really feel now that it's all intertwined and it's all connected. I think all of that stuff's connected. And if we don't listen to and take seriously um, what experiencers have to say, then we're missing a whole big piece of the puzzle. Um, and it's vitally important that we take a look at all of that together. Um, and so I think that's what it's taught me, you know, and even, you know, some things I have a harder time with, um, you know, when we talk, start talking about fairies or mermaids or cryptids or all those things, but as time goes and the more in, in Bigfoot and stuff, the more people you talk to about these things, the more it's like the UFO phenomenon. You're like, there has to be something real to all these people's encounters and experiences. So many people experience these things. And what is that about? You know, are they interdimensional? What what is that exactly? So I think as researchers and investigators, we need to just be open to all of that, listen to it, consider it, and and collect the data. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I'm a part of the MUFON ERT, the Experience Resource Team, um, and and it's a we had to go through a separate training process just to be an ERT um, because it is yeah. a little different than regular investigating nuts and bolts, um, and you have to learn how to work with experiencers. Um, if you're an experiencer yourself, like I am, um, it's a little bit easier. Um, but it's still a whole different process than regular sighting investigations. And uh, I think it's a really right. important part of this phenomenon, the experiencers themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it is a delicate thing because I think a lot of um, contactees and abductees, they go through PTSD. And like me, when I was a kid, where, you know, don't talk about it. You're crazy. You're, you're weird. You're different. Um, you know, 
So we are shut down. And, um, and so you, the mental health piece is really important. Um, and I think it's important for contactees and abductees and people that have any of these experience to feel heard, to feel safe, to feel listened to um, and taken seriously. Um, and that's something Dr. Leo Sprinkle did immediately. And that's why I connected with him so quickly because he would, it doesn't matter if it was an hour or two hours or three hours, he would sit down with you and just take the time to truly listen to you. Right. I mean, you know, giving of your time is free and to, to be heard is so, so important. And I think he recognized that and he was willing to do that for people, which made him so loved and cherished by so many people um, because he took the time to do that. And I always, I, I look at him as a role model for me. Like, you know, I get a little ADHD and a little hyper sometimes, but I have to remember to slow down, take the time to just sit and listen to people and listen to their experiences because we learn something from everybody, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the right way to do it. Um, and that's what we're taught with the ERT is to, you know, be an open ear. Um, they need someone to listen to them. They're going through yeah. a lot and uh, they need that. And uh, yeah. it's it's so rewarding in itself to help somebody like that, um, especially since I've helped myself through an experience, a couple experiences, um, mm -hmm. and to know what it's like to be in that position. So it, it's very important. And uh, I try to express that throughout my shows and, and throughout educating people on the subject. So it's very important. Yep, absolutely. So I think this is a good port, uh, part to go ahead and take our break. So uh, we'll do that real quick and we'll be right back after the commercial messages. The official sponsor of UFO Encounters Worldwide is Gypsy Days Clothing Line. They have officially released their new store on Etsy where you can check out tons of clothing made here right in the USA. Help support a small business today by going over to Etsy and searching Gypsy Days Originals. They are the official sponsors of UFO Encounters Worldwide and they make everything we do possible. Again, that's Gypsy Days Clothing Line today. Are you looking for some new swag? Well, UFO Encounters Worldwide now has an official clothing line and store where you can get your official merchandise. It's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. You can select from a large variety of all kinds of gear, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatpants, masks, can cozies, and more. We'll be adding more designs as time moves on, but there are two amazing ones on there now. And if you're looking to also support the show, you can sponsor to our PayPal and donate if you like. If not, that's okay too. Check out our swag store. Again, that's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide today. UFO Encounters Worldwide wants to hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peak, at UFO Encounters Worldwide at gmail.com today.
All Things UFO Facebook group is now the official sponsor of UFO Encounters Worldwide. It's the place where I go to get my information. They have the latest UFO news with the best topics and ran by amazing people. You go there and it's a group environment where you can share your stories with other people and get answers to the questions you need. Check them out today. That's All Things UFO Facebook group. I go there and you should too. Did you know UFO Encounters Worldwide has an official website for the podcast? That's right. You can go to ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com today and check out all of the cool content we have on the UFO phenomenon. You can get all of the content and information for each episode on the website. Plus, you can follow my travels and see some of my work. There's even new weekly updates on the UFO phenomenon with megalithic structures and different places from around the world with UFO sightings. That's ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. Check it out today. Have you or someone you know had a UFO sighting and experienced some kind of electrical malfunction? Well, we have good news. We have started a project called Project Bat Tech 404. Battery technology and 404 stands for an error code you get with technology. You can report your UFO sighting that experienced electrical malfunctions at battech404researchmembers at gmail.com. You can also check out the official website which explains all of our goals that we're looking to accomplish and how it's going to benefit the UFO community. This is a public project, so we also share the cases we have researched for the project. The website is projectbattech404.wordpress.com. Check it out today. And if you know somebody that has had an encounter, please email us so we can help the research and the data grow. Thank you. All right, welcome back to the second half of episode 44 with our special guest, Katie Grabowski. Uh, we got talking about uh, her experiences and how she's gotten to MUFON. And I thought we would kind of switch it around a little bit and kind of talk about what's going on in today's field. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on um, what you thought, what your thoughts are of the, the government coming out and doing the June 25th UAP report and the Gillibrand bill and just re uh, recent releases of documents. And, and what do you think the whole agenda is here? What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, there's definitely an agenda, isn't there? Yes, there is. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, MUFON, I, I love MUFON. MUFON's like this second family to me. But, you know, if we're being honest, there's people that, ha you know, have had some issues with MUFON and that and their disinformation or they're infiltrated by the government and right, all these conspiracy right. theories yeah. with MUFON. Um, and I, you know, it's been my experience. I don't think we have any disinformation going on here. If anything, I think we have people that are trying to get out what they can the best way they know how to get out. And and I also tell people, just for the record, that if we do have a branch of our military or government looking at the MUFON files or wondering what cases are coming in, it's because, and it makes sense to me, that if we have 
secret craft that are being flown around the United States or wherever, they're going to want to know if they're coming in as UFO reports. They're going to want to know what people are seeing and how they're describing it, right? That's right. So that makes logical sense to me. So that being said, but I think it's fascinating that we have the Navy coming out and we don't have the Air Force talking. Right. What's up with that? And that fascinates me in particular because of my experiences out in Elbert County, Colorado, because, you know, that property where these things happen, you know, it kind of backed into the Air Force Academy and to NORAD and to Camp Carson and Peterson Air Force Base. So there's a there was a heavy Air Force influence out there. We also had two um, A-70 interceptors that actually collided in in the report I got from John Schusler in pursuit of a UFO. And so I actually ran into, of all people, speaking of disinformation, into Richard Doty at a conference. <laughs> and I think Richard Doty, you know, he's interesting. I think he's trying to make amends and come out and talk about, you know, what his position was. I don't know. There's a lot of varying uh, opinions about what Richard Doty did and right. his job and everything. But nonetheless, that being said, he did say to me, he said, Katie, if you want to find out about these two A-70 interceptors that crashed out there, you need to put in a FOIA request to Kirkland Air Force Base at the mishaps office. So he told me exactly where, where to, to file. And I did, and I got a, gosh, about an inch thick envelope back of the crash of, of that incident out there. So it did happen, got the report. Um, there was some heavily redacted areas, which is suspicious. But what I find fascinating about the report that I got back from the Air Force is that um, this is in the late 70s. These two interceptors were um, sent out out of Buckley Air Force Base, which is now Space Force. And ironically, it's about five miles from where I live now. And um, anyway, so this was in the evening and um, According to the reports that I received back, it was an instructor and a student, and this was at night, and they had 255 rounds of live ammunition flying over residential neighborhoods. Wow. And from the veterans and the people in the Air Force that I have spoken to, they said that's highly, highly unlikely yes. and very unusual. Yes, it is. And another thing that's interesting about it is one of the causes of crashes, and it only mentions it once in this huge stack of documents that I got back, is that the instructor misidentified another craft. And it never, anywhere else mentions it and never identifies the craft. The tower records don't identify the craft. It doesn't say it was a Cessna. It doesn't identify it as another military craft. And then in parentheses, it says cause of the crash. But then it goes on to state, that the student turned off his beacon light when he should have turned it on. And that's why the um, instructor ran into the tail of the jet and both A-70s went down, both pilots ejected and both pilots survived. Um, so I find it interesting and I find it highly suspicious. And at the time, you know, like I said, it was high mutilation time. So we had George Yarnell and Bill Wall, um, the sheriff of Elbert County and um, the undersheriff flying in planes looking for these people that are doing these mutilations. At the time, they were thinking religious cults, you know, satanic cults right. or something were, were doing this. Um, 
So they, people, I mean, there was a $10,000 reward and this is the late seventies and there's still a $10,000 reward from like the Cattlemen's Association, the Colorado Bureau of Investigations was involved, NORAD was involved, Camp Carson was involved. So I think it's really interesting. And I think the Air Force, I think the Navy's talking um, and the Air Force is not talking because I think the Air Force is more liable and culpable for some of these black access projects. And I say that because I think out there in Elbert County through Dr. Leo Sprinkle's files, we uncovered a document and it said, I'll try to remember exactly what it says, but it said Warren Blank, so they redacted his last name, from Camp Carson was out on the ranch property and something took over his mind, made him walk towards the woods, would release him, he would run back to the ranch house and that would happen over and over. He said that happened to him five times where something took over his mind. That speaks to me of MK ultra mind control. And, you know, talking with John Greenwald and his unbelievably great site, the black bolt, there's so many different documents about these black access special projects that were happening, you know, in, you know, in the sixties and seventies that were happening at these locations. So I think the air force, is never going to release any of this because they're liable for who knows what and doing who knows what to, you know, men, women, and children, maybe innocent men, women, and children um, in these projects. So I also think, Jesse, that um, who whoever it is, whatever government or military branch knows that something's coming. And I feel like they're they're releasing some of this information now to get ahead of something. That's what it feels like to me. Like, we're slowly going to be um, getting the public ready for something they know is coming down the line here. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I absolutely had the same the same exact thought. Um, and I also found it really interesting that in most of these reports, they only go back to 2004 and they keep it to the present day. Um, and they're trying mm -hmm. to make it kind of look like this is more of a recent phenomenon than it has been going <laughs> on for as long as it has been. Um, and I think most of that has to do with the facts that people have dealt with ridicule. Um, the Air Force has interrogated people. Um, families have been ruined. I mean, people have gone to loony, uh, you know, have gone crazy. Um, and I think mm -hmm. they don't want to um, deal with that from the public view, in a sense. Um, did you? Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's really true. I mean, just think about it. And I, I, I always try to make connections like, okay. This is happening at the ranch property in Elbert County. What's the connection? And and I, I don't know about your experience, but it's been my experience in talking to abductees and contactees that a lot of times, not always, but oftentimes there's a military connection in the family. Oftentimes it's Navy. Sometimes it's Air Force. And I find that fascinating, number one. But you also look at you know, MK Ultra and some of these other, what was there, like 147 or something other projects other than MK Ultra. They were doing all sorts of crazy things. Oh, yeah. And they were taking people out of like state hospitals, right? And doing LSD experiments and all sorts of strange different experiments with these people. And now my half brother was in the Pueblo State Hospital which is interesting to me because I'm like, well, there's a connection there. Um, 
And so I don't, I don't know, but I, I do know that if that's true and they were doing that, and, and I think from some of the documents John Greenwald Jr. has uncovered, that is absolutely the case. They are going to be liable and culpable for some of these things. And that's why they'll never come forward with it. Not for 20, 30, 40, 50 more years until we're all dead and gone and it's forgotten about. That's right. And um, I think it's because the younger generation is starting to show more attention in the subject as well, which is pretty cool. Um, we talked a little bit about mm -hmm. that earlier. Um, so I guess let's, um, what are your thoughts on the um, recent documents released? Uh, I've seen Nick Pope had been on it, John Greenwald, about um, the physical effects that people have been experiencing through UFO sightings and encounters. Have you seen that document? I have, and I think it's about dang time that people are talking about this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, and then the Havana syndrome. I think that uh, I think the government is interested in trying to find out what the heck Havana syndrome is, where that's coming from. Is it Chinese, Russia? Is this from out there somewhere? What is that doing to the brain? You know, the dizziness, the headaches, um, all of it. I, I, and I think now finally PhDs and scientists are actually looking at, you know, MRIs and brain scans and how contactees and abductees, um, you know, brains are lighting up in different colors. And, you know, there's so many of these things. And I, and I know researchers like um, Kathleen Martin and um, Dr. Leo Sprinkle and Ray, I mean, there's so many, you can name so many people. Um, you know, Jack Belay and all these have been looking at these commonalities for decades. Um, and I'm just so excited that this is finally out there in the public realm. I mean, there's there's even interesting ones that fascinate me. I know people have talked about and looked at um, the RH factor in blood and blood types, yes. that kind of thing. There's also, you know, the um, craving of salt, migraine headaches, um, you know, dizziness. You know, of course, there's the bloody nose. There's a lot of different symptoms I think there's a whole list of, I mean, you are ERT, you probably know better than I do. <laughs> and I know there's been, you know, attempts to try and look at these commonalities, but to see it actually being talk, talked about in the news and in reports is like, yay, it's about time. So that's how I feel about it. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, I mean, I've watched people for years. Um, one of the people, Gerald, Geraldine Arcorzo, who's talked about having multiple different pregnancies and, and uh, oh, part yeah. of the hybridation program. And now it's being validated for her. You know what I mean? Right. And she's not yeah. the only one. There's thousands and thousands of women that have dealt with this. And to finally yeah, bring yeah. that up um, and to go as far as talking about pregnancies, um, that kind of opens the door up to the whole hybridization program that as factual for the first time, you know, that, this, right, that right. they're really here doing this. Um, and these women that talk about that are, are super brave. I, I have experienced that myself. Um, and what's interesting, uh, I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm talking about it here on your show. Um, but the reason I don't talk about it a lot, I had another thing that fascinates me is the trauma piece, the disassociation trauma piece of these contactees and abductees. And what is that people? It seems to me a, a vast majority of people that experience traumatic and that could be near death experience. It could be trauma takes a lot of forms, right? It could be. Uh, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, it, it, like near-death experiences, all these things can cause trauma in our lives. And it seems to me when you disassociate, especially when you're a child, it seems like you're tapping into something out there. I don't know what that something is, but it seems to connect and stay with these people forever, right? 
And also when you have trauma and you disassociate, then you have memory issues. So you trust your memories less, okay? Things get a little more blurry and confused. So then you have contact or abduction experience or experiences with shadow beings or entities or paranormal, whatever it may be, you're, you're, it's gonna seem a little more vague. And then you add another layer on top of that and you have missing pregnancies. And this happens both not only, I mean, obviously the missing fetuses are female, but men claim, you know, especially in these certain age ranges from, you know, puberty into young 20s or, you know, early 20s where their sperm is being taken and their right. eggs are being taken, this whole program, right? Yep. So it's this whole fascinating field. And, and these people that are coming out and talking about it, I give a lot of props and a lot of credit to because it's a very difficult thing to talk about and maneuver, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I think so they're personal. extremely brave for doing that and i can imagine and i know some of the ridicule they've taken just for coming out mm -hmm. and stating that this has happened to them and because it's so yep. traumatic to go through that and then let alone talk about it and take the ridicule from people it, right, it's, right. It's, it's a shame and uh I, yeah. I give them all the props in the world for doing that um i know a couple of friends that are close to me that have gone through this process um, and just even talking about it you can hear in her voice and the way she her whole mood changes the emotion it comes back. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important. And uh, this is great to have that validation for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, what do you think as a community and the people that are getting into the field, the people that have been in the field for a while, um, what should be the main focus right now that we should be really pushing towards for disclosure? I think it's uh, building bridges. I think um, to, to stop the tendency to want to hold back and possess research and data, we need to share it. Number one, um, you know, as much as, you know, I have experiences in contact with the ranch information. I don't own that information. This happened to a lot of people. It didn't just happen on the one ranch. It happened to the whole dang town and the whole County. And not only that, I come to find out this wasn't just happening in Albert County. It was San Luis Valley. It was Montana, Wyoming, Texas, Kansas, Nebraska. This is everybody's data. This, this we need to communicate and share. More importantly, though, I think building bridges is, you know, you have the Bigfoot world over here and the paranormal world over there and the UFO world over there. Guess what? They're all intertwined. They're all connected, you know, yep. and I want to see these groups communicating and working together and doing research together and i think it'll push all the fields in a really positive good place so that's what i would like to see people to like these groups instead of having ufo festivals and bigfoot festivals and that we all just need to have one we need to we need a new name for it <laughs> i don't know what we want to call it <laughs> and put them all yeah and put it all under one roof and mix up speakers have a paranormal speaker have a ufo speaker have a bigfoot speaker and let's do that, you know? Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's been times where, you know, I thought in my experience, you know, it was a paranormal, like you said, with the shadow people or just things moving randomly. Um, and then kind of find out maybe it is alien contact and it is all, you know, combined like that. And um, I yeah. really think you're, you're right head on with that. I think having all these separate groups, it kind of makes us a little weaker. If we came together, we could be so strong as a community and moving forward, mm -hmm. our voice could be so much stronger together. 
Yep. hundred percent. hundred percent. I think I'm starting to see that, you know, I've met some really cool friends in the Bigfoot world and that's kind of a new world to me, Jessica Jones and what she's doing and, and Bob Wilson oh, yes. and all these yes. wonderful people. And they're so awesome. And, and, you know, and they're, they're taking this seriously. They're science, science people, they're gathering data and they're doing a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous service um and it's so cool to 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 see these different groups kind of really starting to come together and looking looking at the big picture and Heidi Hollis and everything she's doing with her shadow figures and beans and she's on coast to coast and has her show um dark becomes light and she's an incredible uh, force in in doing a lot of great work so I'm starting to see these bridges being built and I think it's I think it's about time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Jessica will be on next month for the Experiencer Month. <laughs> um, yeah, she's so, awesome. Yeah, she's doing it. great work, absolutely. And she's yeah. now going to be on um, Spaced Out Radio. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Absolutely. Dave Scott. Hi, Dave Scott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, good. yeah, I, I think it's great. And, you know, the drama, you know, the drama needs to fade away. Um, the, you know, the possessiveness and the drama and all that stuff, like, I'm not a drama gal and I just, I don't like any of that. And um, that needs to go away and people just need to work together and be kind and respectful of everybody else's research and work. You know, that's right. we're all doing our own thing here, trying to find answers. So that's what I try to remind people. We all got into the field for very similar reasons and you got to check the ego at the door because there's really no room for that. And it just wastes time. Um, yep, all yep. the time that people waste bickering and going back and forth. Could you imagine all the research that could be done if we didn't do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah. know. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm directing a project now where we're looking into electrical malfunctions that are associated with UFO sightings. Um, we have a whole, I started the project in October, um, and we we made it a public a public thing. We're sharing all of our information publicly. Um, we don't want it to be hidden away. It doesn't deserve to be hidden hidden away because every Everybody's experiencing it, just like you said. Um, and I think right. there needs to be that's, more of that. Yeah, that's really fascinating because one thing I really looked into at these high strangeness hotspots was the magnetism of all these places. So you can go actually to the geographical magnetic anomaly map of the United States. And the highest magnetized areas will show up as a really super light pink color. And the less magnetized they are, like a deep dark blue. Well, it turns out um, that, you know, Blind Frog Ranch, Skinwalker Ranch, the Elbert County Ranch, Marley Woods, and um, there's another place in Ohio, Pile, Pennsylvania. They all ping the charts. They're, they're the lightest shade, Bradshaw Ranch. They're all the lightest shade of pink you can get. So these are highly, highly magnetized areas where these strange, high strangeness events are happening. And there's something to that. Yes. There's a reason for that. Um, so yeah, this data needs to be shared and looked at and there's, there's, I think that we're going to find the perfect, um, melding pod of whatever stone or ge geological features in these areas, the high magnetism, maybe line. I mean, that is opening doorways or something that's allowing us to either interact with the phenomenon, uh, maybe something with our brains or it's opening doorways for these things to come and go i'm not sure but we're not going to find these answers until you know all that information is available and people look at these people much smarter than i am i don't have a phd but you know it's about time this this data is out for everybody to look at I so hear you. 
Yeah, and that goes into like, you know, the Bermuda Triangle and missing 411 with David Politis. And, yeah. you know, you oh, hear that. on the ranches how portals have been opening up and creatures come out. Um, and and if you see, they're all they're all in different groups. If that all came together like we're talking about, it'd be a, it'd be much better, you know, and we'd get more information out of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Two, yeah. two people are better than one, you know? <laughs> Four eyes are better yeah. than two. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so what kind of, um, are there any big cases that you've worked on throughout your career at MUFON that really stick out to you than the others? Oh my goodness. Yes. I don't know how much time we have left here, but yes. Um, a case came across my desk, uh, uh, gosh, it's been almost three and a half, four years ago now. So much so, and I, I done so much work on it. And so much investigating to archives and been to the Eisenhower archives and trips, you know, to New Mexico, back and forth, that I actually signed it away from MUFON, which at the time Jan Harazan was in charge, and I got permission from them to actually take the case. So it's no longer a MUFON case. It's actually a Katie case, but it has (laughs) to do with, uh, yeah, just putting that out there publicly. Um, It has to do with the um, rumored um it was a rumor from brigadier general arthur exxon that one of the roswell bodies ended up in a mortuary outfit in denver and um so i've been investigating that and have a really strong hypothesis and paper trail on this body it has to do with eisenhower's and mamie eisenhower was actually from denver has to do with the mason lodge i know the mortician is um his best friend's family um, was also a mortician at this mortuary and this body sat downstairs in the basement for decades and decades and decades and he didn't think the mortician didn't think there was even a body in there because this vault sat where they stored the extra chairs Um, but found out there was a judge that had placed a hold on that body and it sat there like I said year after year after year after year decade after decade turns out that judge was a federally appointed judge appointed by Nixon and he was the crash retrieval specialist as well as the infectious disease specialist and so there's a Fitzsimmons Lowry connection a Mason connection and on and on and on and a couple months ago we had Don Schmidt out for Colorado MUFON to talk and and he was a wonderful guy and of course he's the Roswell expert and I told him I'm like I was I've been afraid to talk to you and ask you about this rumor because I knew he could either validate it or shoot it down for me my hypothesis and he actually was very encouraging and said you know I'd love I'd love to work with you on this and yes this this is all very valid so I'm continuing to work on that and I'm hoping to be able to share all that data um you know within the next year or so because when it comes to Roswell and something as big as one of the Roswell alien bodies I I want to make sure I have all my ducks in a row right, um, because right. that's a huge story and I don't want my head chopped off you know like, <laughs> so I'm trying to trying to make sure I, I I have as many pieces to the puzzle as I can get before I roll it out there but so that actually is more of a passion to me than even the um the Elbert County Ranch stuff so yes that is something um you know of course COVID shut down the archives in many locations but they're opening back up so I can get back on the saddle and, and and continue that research on that case. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, Don, yeah. Don's a great guy. I, I've had him on. I've had Tom Carey and Kevin Randall was recently on. Um, yeah. They really yeah. know some information about Roswell that I don't think a lot of people know. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting because I, 
I have all their books on my shelf or a lot of their books on my shelf, but I didn't read them on purpose because I didn't want to be biased and I didn't want to be tainted. Like with this case that came across for me, I wanted to go where the data took me. Right. Where, what, where that, that particular piece of that story took me. And so I didn't want to be influenced by any of their work because they have decades decades and decades of their work on Roswell. Oh, yeah. And so, and I told him that when I met him and I said, you know, I, I, I just wanted to know if you felt there was a Mason connection to this because they don't talk a lot about that. And he said, absolutely there was. So, you know, it was very validating for me to hear him talk about that. Cause I'm like, yes, I knew it. That's where my research <laughs> took me. So cool. that was really cool to have that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. so we have about a minute left. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find your book and where they can follow your work at? Yeah, absolutely. It's just my name, katiegrabowski.com. And that is K-A-T-I-E-G-R-I-B as in boy, O-S-K-I.com, katiegrabowski.com. And you can find you know, my book there and research and just different things there. So I hope you guys can check that out. And uh, thank you so much, Jesse, for having me on. It's It's been a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I do have that information in the description of the episode. So everybody listening can find that information in the website there. Um, and yeah, thank you for coming on and kicking off this Celebrating Women's Month. Um, yeah. You were, you were the perfect guest to start it off with. You're, you're, I love the work that you're doing and you are someone to look up to in the field. Um, so thank you for coming on and sharing your expertise today and educating us. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jesse. No problem. And thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode 44 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. We will be back next week with our special guest, Kathleen Martin. And until then, keep your eyes in the sky. Well, that was a great way to kick off our April Celebrating Women in the Field with our special guest, Katie Grabowski. You can see all of her information in the description of the episode below. And I also want to give a shout out to Perma Promotions via Twitter. They help content creators get exposure, plots, exclusive content such as artwork, special ads, and more. They actually recently helped us get some new artwork in our store at storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. Next week, we have our very special guest, Kathleen Martin to talk about the work she's been doing in her field, her recent book, and so much more. So make sure you tune into that. And I want to thank our official sponsor, Gypsy Days Clothing Line, which just dropped their brand new store over at Etsy. So go check them out today. And also UFO, all things UFO Facebook group over on Facebook. Thank you guys very much. And remember to keep your eyes in the sky. Oh, <laughs> my